And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Smart Money Circle. I'm your host, Adam Sarhan. My guest today is Justin Carboneau at Validia Capital Management, whose firm has managed up to a billion dollars in assets. Justin, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Adam. So, Justin, can you um, get started? I always like to ask, can you tell us your story and how you got how you began in the business? Sure, I'd love to. Um, my sort of journey in the investment business started about 20 years ago. I was a junior in college, and I uh, answered a ad that was looking for a stock market research analyst. Um, what that uh, ended up doing is putting me in contact with John Reese, who was basically John is the the, the founder of Lydia, um, and one of my partners still today. And at the time, what he was doing is he was looking for ways to manage his own wealth. He had sold a company to General Electric, and he was embarking on a research study um, trying to identify uh, successful long-term investment strategies and also other methods um, to manage his own money. So at the time, it was a bunch of college guys um, building investment strategies and reading financial publications and trying to mine that data. That actually turned into a company, Validia, and um, we ended up uh, formalizing um, that company and uh, raising um, about $6 million in venture capital financing to build um, an investment research firm. And this was between 1998 and 2001. And so at the, at the time, we had offices in Connecticut and New York. We were building different investment research uh, tools and strategies, and um, then the 2000 to 2002 bear market hit. And as you probably remember, you know a lot of these internet-based businesses basically went out of business. Right. So at the time, we um, sort of wound down that version of Validia and uh, gave the what money was remaining back to the venture capitalists that actually had invested with us, but. What that did is um, set the stage for the next sort of iteration um, because the intellectual property that was developed during that period of time, John had actually gotten patents on it. And so when that version of Validia um, went under and was dissolved, the intellectual property reverted back to John. And uh, then he pulled in a few other people to launch sort of Validia 2.0. And um, we sort of started uh, managing uh, investment portfolios and running investment portfolios in 2003 with a subscription-based website. And that basically turned into a money management. We launched a sister money management company in 2005. Um, so what we were doing is we were using this investing system, which I will talk about in a minute, to actually start running money um, for actual clients. Uh, we wrote, a, we've written two books about our investing strategy. Um, but since 05, we've continued to manage money for clients um, using systematic investment models. We um, were a sub-advisor for the sixth largest bank in Canada. We managed um, two mutual funds for that bank for um, nearly 10 years. We uh, have a ETF that we run using our investing system. So. Basically, you know, that's kind of the story. It's we started as a research company, we had some success, we failed, we relaunched, and since then we've been, you know, basically following these investment models um, and managing money and doing different things with them. Wow, what a great story! So you literally got the job while you were in college, and you've been there ever since. Exactly. Yeah, I, I and it was, it. you know, for when you're that young and you mm -hmm. have the ability to actually like build a company, and then you have to sort of like dismantle it. 
you know, that first experience for me was a huge one because it was like drinking through a fire hose and, you know, but it was sort of like the life, life cycle of a company, you know, within just a few years. And it was really my first real job, which, you know, I don't think, you know, some people never have that experience and I had it, you know, very early on in my career. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing. So Justin, I know you guys have a unique approach here. You study the greatest investors. Can you tell us a little about your investment strategy slash strategies, please? Sure. Um, so our stock selection strategy first starts out with identifying those individuals who have long-term track records of success, either in the real world or through back tests. So what we look to do is look for books, academic papers, or other sources where these strategies have been written about. So for example, we run investment models based on Warren Buffett. We base that on the book Buffettology. We have a Peter Lynch strategy, which is based on the book One Up on Wall Street. We have a strategy based on Joe Greenblatt's magic formula, which he wrote about in the little book that beats the market, a strategy based on James O'Shaughnessy, because he wrote the book What Works on Wall Street, which is an excellent book about quantitative strategies and what have worked over the long term. And we have dozens of other models that we've captured in this investing system. So the way that those strategies sort of manifest themselves in our, our sort of money management or um, investment strategy approach is we basically through each model we run, so let's just take the Buffett model, because that's everybody knows who Warren Buffett is, and this will kind of hopefully make sense to people. We run a strategy based, like I mentioned, based on the book Buffettology, and we score all stocks in our universe through the criteria inside that Buffett model. So what that allows us to do is say, within our investment universe, what stocks score highest according to our interpretation of this Warren Buffett strategy. Right. From there, what we can do is we can build portfolios off of that. So we can say, show me the top 10 or 20 or 50 securities according to each one of the strategies we follow. And then we can even combine those strategies together. So it's essentially, you know, what we believe in here is we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to learn from other investors who have been successful. Um, and what we want to do is capture those strategies systematically and then build actual portfolios, you know, holding the top scoring stocks according to those strategies. So my question, I guess, when you study these guys, are you able to objectively quantify their approach in a way that other people can't? Or do you guys just say, hey, here's what, what they do, and then we've been able to figure out how to run it and then run it within a basket of other strategies yeah. that complement each other? Is that kind of the approach? That is, an yeah, that is a great question. So it's very important for us to follow or implement strategies that where the criteria are clear. So there's like, you know, if you could pick up like, probably most investing books and they'll say, you know, buy, you know, I like value stocks. I want to buy low PE stocks right. or, you know, I'm a growth investor. Yeah. I look for earnings growth, but you know, what does that mean? I mean, a PE can be defined with trailing 12 months earnings, an average earnings, you know, growth rate over the last five years. You could look at forward earnings. So what we want to see is strategies that where the criteria are very clear and we're not having to do some level of our own interpretation. So, and I wouldn't say, it, you know, for the most part, we that's what we look for. There, there always is. Well, it depends. Like some strategies, like the ones that are quantitative based in nature, like those based on James O'Shaughnessy or Joel Greenblatt, or like those those criteria. It's a, it's very crystal clear what it is. In some cases, we had to do some level of interpretation, but still, there was examples in the books or papers 
that basically help guide us to be able to create like concrete investment criteria. So we do try and, you know, look for the specifics of the criteria and we're not trying to, we're trying to take the guesswork out of it as best we can. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. So question for you, Ryan, how do you guys handle risk and what mistakes do you see people make with respect to risk management? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think with risk, the first thing is like, you know, how you define risk. I mean, some people think of risk as just, you know, volatility. Other people define risk as, you know, not being able to meet your investing goals. Um, And a lot of times those two things are joined at the hip. So the way that we handle risk is we look to um, do a couple things. One, if you're following, let's say you want to follow a value strategy and Ben Graham's value model based on the intelligent investor, which we run, um, you know, is appealing to you. So, but but we know that, you know, because we have a lot of performance history with running that strategy, we know that these, these value models can work really well over a long period of time. But, you know, in any given year, the strategy can be all over the place and it can deviate a lot from the market. So how do you control that? How do you diversify out that strategy specific risk? Well, within the Validia system, we can combine different strategies together. So you get more strategy diversification um, within the context of a, of a portfolio. So you might combine the value model with maybe other value models that actually look different than that. Um, that wouldn't get you that far from the value factor, but it probably would diversify you out because the grand model tends to select like really deep value, like kind of old line type of companies um, with certain characteristics. Or you could combine... The value, the value model with maybe, you know, a growth or momentum strategy that would start to mute the performance of value. But what that would effectively do is, you know, diversify the strategy specific risk um, out of the portfolio as, as best you can. The other way that we control risk is through what I would call like asset allocation techniques and rotational or trend following techniques. So we have the ability to incorporate um, our stock selection approach with you know other asset classes and or even like a trend following system that will you know allow us to move in and out of the market and try to avoid you know the worst case scenario in like major bear markets so what we're able to do is sort of couple our stock picking models with these other risk management or mitigation techniques and you know we kind of do a custom thing if a client puts money with us you know we can depending on their risk tolerance and what they're looking for, we have the ability to, you know, manage risk using these other, these other um, systematic methods That's of a doing it. Fascinating approach. So I know trend following typically is like the turtles approach or Duncian where it's you're buying a 20 day high or a 10 day low or 40 day or whatever the case is. Do you guys, are you long short like most trend followers or is this long only or? No, it's it's long only, and then when we and then if we get the sell signal on the trend following, we'll move, we'll phase into a cash position. Got it. So with trend following, obviously, you know, you got to be careful. There's, you know, every trend following system is susceptible to being whipsawed. So what we'd like to do is, our we've set up our trend following system, and it's by no means perfect. Um, It's an asymmetrical trend following approach, which basically uses moving averages, and it says, you know, if um, you know, the, the market violates, you know, this moving average, we start to phase out of the market. Um, and then on the way back in, you know, it requires less of a move. So 
the asymmetrical aspect of it is important because the buy and sell decisions are different. We want this system to be set up so it takes a lot for us to sell right. and it doesn't take us a lot for us to buy. Um, and, you know, because the market obviously over time goes up more than it goes down. And so, you know, you don't you, you want to set up your trend following system to try to take advantage of that as best you can. Um, so that's the way we incorporate trend following in our strategy. No, that's great. So I guess um, what mistakes do you see people make with respect to risk management? And later on, I'll ask you a general mistakes question. But for now, specifically with risk management, what, what are some mistakes you see people make? I guess. I mean, I can just talk about us. I think that, you know, risk management, like with our trend following system, you know, it gets it, and this isn't a mistake as much as it is, so I might not answer your question directly, but it's, it's more of a characteristic and it's something you have to be aware of when implementing something like trend following, which is, you know, it gets it wrong actually a lot. And, right. you know, you have to be willing to deal with those false signals um, and, you know, understand that when it gets it right, it's going to make up for a lot of that. So if you think of like any trend following, at least the ones that I am aware of, you know, for the most part, let's say going back to 2000, you know, seven, the beginning of 07, some trend followings, trend following systems, you know, would have got that helped you avoid some of the pain in 08 and early 09. Um, so that would have been good, but, you know, pretty much since then, so since like March of 09, you know, every pullback in the market has been, you know, a 15 to 20% drawdown if you're looking at the S&P. Right. So, so the, the risk or the mistake, I guess, or the characteristic is if you're trend, if you were, you know, deploying a trend following system, you were likely, you know, you likely got whipsawed in 2011 and 2015 at the end of 2018, you know, when the market pulled back and then bounced right at, you know, off those key moving averages. So, that's the thing you just got to be aware of. And, you know, what you don't want to do is be following trend following and then say, okay, well, this thing hasn't worked over the last five years or something and then move out of it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden your whole risk management, you know, strategy goes out the window because it hasn't worked. It's just a characteristic of a lot of trend following systems that you have to be willing to deal with. Understood. So A, avoid style drift. So in other words, jumping strategy to strategy, any strategy, whatever that is. And then B, if I understand you correctly, understand the nature of your strategy it's perfectly fine to lose 70% of the time if you're right 30%, but the right wins are much larger than the small losses. I mean, if, yeah, if I understand that's properly. perfect. I totally, that's a great way, much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you kindly for that. So uh, next question for you, Justin, what are some timeless lessons you've learned along the way for investing? Yeah, it doesn't get too far off of like what you just, the concept that you just said, you know, it's, I think it's the timeless lesson, at least with all the gurus we follow and the strategies we try to implement is I think you want to have a strategy, you know, that you understand that makes sense and one that's repeatable and that can be implemented with discipline. And I think that that goes, you know, it's a, it goes from stock selection to trend following to even if you're, you know, buying mutual funds and stuff like that, it's like it, you know, it. So I think that that that, that principle, um, you know, is just universal in investing, and you know, you just want to find. I think you want to really find things that you believe in and that you think you can stick with. Which, by the way, is why you know, for many investors, just buying the market is fine because you know they 
it's 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 like you know they're not complicating things and that's fine i mean that's not our approach to investing but for a lot of investors just you know buying the market and not getting caught up in it and if they believe that you know the u.s market's going to go up over time that's fine that's that's fine if they want to do that um so uh, yeah understand so, so the timeless lessons is understand your strategy it doesn't matter what it is but just really understand it and then stick with it during the good times and the bad times because every strategy doesn't matter if it's value if it's growth if it's trend following mean reversion doesn't matter they all have good periods and bad periods that's right got it and then, you know it's, it's it's funny it's um i don't know if you know supposedly the story with peter lynch when he was managing fidelity magellan which as your listeners may or may not know, I mean, when, when Lynch managed Magellan from 1977 to 1990 when he retired and he went out on top, by the way, not many people do that, but, you know, he, he basically doubled the market. So he had a, a 29% annualized return versus a 15% return to the market. Now, some people say that, you know, many investors wouldn't have been able to, to get into Magellan until like, you know, 1980. So some of those early returns, they wouldn't have been able to access. But what Lynch also says is that, the vast majority of investors came nowhere near to realizing Magellan's return because what they would do is they would pile into Magellan after great years and then after it would have a you know sort of tough year or maybe not as good of a year, they would pile out of it. So, you know, I think having that long-term discipline and maintaining that is very important to be able, you know, to compound and get re- good returns over time. And I think there's there's other examples. Ken Hebner between 2000 and 2009, it was the best performing mutual fund. You know, it compounded at 18% annually in a period where the market went nowhere. And yet the vast majority of investors lost money because the fund was highly volatile. They chased performance, piled in and piled out. Understood. So that's actually a really good point. So studying all these gurus, Justin, I guess, are there any common threads or characteristics or behavior or mental outlook that you've learned or picked up reading between the lines or just outright observed that you can it, share? It seems like to me, you know, it would see it, it's, it's the temperament aspect of it. And I mean, Buffett talks about this a lot. Lynch talks about this a lot, you know, not being overly emotional and not letting your own biases and emotions influence your investing behavior. That's why we like systematic strategies because it removes all of that. Um, it's not to say systematic strategies are perfect because they're not, but you know, certainly on the um, discipline and bias side, you know, you're removing that from the equation. Right. And then I would also say that they, you know, each one of these guys had sort of like a core fundamental investing belief. Um, you know, whether it's buying stocks that are cheap based on something or looking for quality stocks and trying to integrate value or even, you know, we run momentum strategies and momentum is a very powerful factor too. And momentum works for different reasons. So I think having the emotional um, uh, ability to like remove emotions. So having the discipline to remove the emotions from the investing um, decision-making process as much as you can and then, you know, having sort of this core belief and sticking, you know, staying within your circle of, of competence. That's um, those were the characteristics that I think I see of these great investors. I love it. That's really, really, really good advice. Um, I guess, what are some timeless mistakes that you see people make outside of style drift that you can share with the audience and how do you avoid them? Yeah, so that's a, and we've sort of touched on it. I think that, and, and 
this is just the reality of the way investors look at um, uh, things, which is, you know, a lot of times it's like, what's the best performing thing? And they don't even really try to understand the why behind it. So, you know, I think cause we run a lot of strategies. We offer these strategies on Validia. We run money through these strategies. So a lot of times the conversations around performance, and I understand why. I mean, that's what you have to look at, right? Right. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, like in the last 10 years, okay, like basically value has crushed growth. I mean, it's been a large cap, mega, you know, growth type of environment. And, you know, a lot of these value strategies, which are based on sound principles, you know, have not really performed well. And so does that mean that the next 10 years is going to be the same thing? No, it doesn't. And, you know, but investors are like, well, you know, last five years or 10 years, the performance has been this. And so they... So it's trying not to overweight, you know, short-term performance too much, trying to think about why strategies work. If you can do those two things, I think you can avoid a lot of investing mistakes. And then what I would also say is that, you know, the stock market's the one place where when things go down, investors get worried and upset. And it should be the opposite. And I'm not saying I'm not susceptible to this too. I mean, when I, the stock market falls by 20 or 30% and I open up, you know, my brokerage accounts and my investment accounts and, you know, see things down, of course, you're like, oh, no, this is really bad. But you have to remember that, you know, over time, the stock market rebounds and a lot of times it rebounds quickly. You don't want to be making, you know, crazy knee-jerk reactions, you know, during times of um, market stress and panics like that. Because oftentimes what that means is that even though the you're down, future returns have actually gone up. Got it. Um, um, because of that decline and because of, you know, valuations are essentially better. So, you know, trying to avoid those types of mistakes are certainly important for investors. And that's, yeah, it's really good advice. Almost like there's two kinds of capital, right? There's the mental capital and the physical capital. And I guess some of the mistakes is, is just relying on the mental side of it, chasing performance or style drift or being fearful when others should be greedy and greedy when you should be fearful. All those other fun, timeless piece of advice that we've heard along the way. So I, lo I love all that. And it speaks, um, I smell what you're cooking because I've had similar experiences in my world. So I guess, Justin, last question for you is, um, what's the best piece of advice you can share with the audience today? I mean, I think, you know, uh, we've talked about a lot of it, but I mean, just thinking long-term, um, letting the power of compounding work for you. Um, I would also say that, you know, what you have to realize is that, you know, beating the market over time, is a difficult thing. Um, you know, 80% of fund managers fail to do it, and these are some of the smartest people in the world. And the people like Buffett and Lynch, and you know, the strategies we emulate, those returns that those individuals achieved were absolutely phenomenal. Right. Um, so thinking that you know you can easily replicate that type of stuff, even though we've built a business around trying to codify these strategies, it's just you know you have to be realistic. So, but what I would also say is that you know there's there's sort of broader, more strategic lessons lessons that these these investors um, have taught us, which is we've talked about it, staying disciplined, staying within your circle of competence, staying humble in the markets, understanding there's a lot of year-to-year short-term randomness. Um, I mean, those are the pieces of advice that I can give investors um, and the things that we've learned from studying these great investors. No, I love it. Well, um, Justin, finally, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? So people can learn more about me and Validia at Validia.com. That's V-A-L-I-B-E-A 
they can learn about the money management side of the business at validiacapital.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at JJ Carboneau. And we have launched a new investing podcast. It's called Excess Returns. I co-host the podcast. And we talk about a whole bunch of investing-related topics, trying to help people become better long-term investors, um, just like your podcast is trying to do. Beautiful. Well, thank you kindly for coming on the show. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Great. Thank you, Adam. Take care.